Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash using your power. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Based on today's podcast, I like to recommend The 4-Hour Body, An Uncommon Guide to Fat Loss, Incredible Sex, and Becoming Superhuman by Timothy Ferris. Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew Weeb, and joining me is... Veen Cora. How are you doing, Maveen? I'm great, man. Good to hear. I'm powered up myself and looking forward to today's conversation. So, what are we going to get into? Well, we're going to get into making good food choices. Interesting. So, that's a really important part of all of our lives, right? I mean, you eat on a daily basis, ideally eating three meals a day breakfast, lunch, and supper. I know a lot of people that skip breakfast too, but I wouldn't recommend it. That's how sumo wrestlers gain weight is they skip breakfast. That's one of their tricks. So we all eat and it's going to happen whether we want it to or not because we need that energy. So we might as well be putting good things into our body instead of bad things. Absolutely. And, you know, this being the, you know, this beginning of the new year and a lot of people have, uh, you know, went to the gym starting in January and a lot of people had some great goals and big goals on, uh, you know, getting healthy, eating right. So, you know, I think this uh, show is pretty timely a couple months into the new year and, and just kind of seeing where everybody is and seeing if they're still holding on to those, uh, the same goals and if they are actually making the right food choices as they promised themselves at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. And key to that whole thing is just not giving up, keeping and going even when you do end up failing because we all fail in our attempts to reach our goals. It's not about the obstacles that you encounter along the way. It's about overcoming them and then just hitting the reset button and going, okay, I'm starting again today and, and just going with it. So you, until you have that habit that's ingrained in, in your, in your routine. No, you're right. And, you know, we always hear, you know, 21 days to make a habit. And I don't know if it's exactly 21 days or 19 days or maybe 50 days, really. Depends, depends. on the person, probably. Yeah, I agree with you. It really does depend on the person because you have to, you know, you might be ready, but a lot of times we're just getting ready to get ready. And then we're, when we're thinking we're ready, we're still just kind of getting ready, right? So um, it really comes down to, are you really going to make the commitment to uh, making the right choices, right? And especially when it comes to food. I mean, uh, today we're, we're bombarded with so many advertisements on, on online, on TV, you know, billboards when we're mm. driving in our cars. Uh, so it's, sometimes it is a difficult uh, choice to make because, you know, we see that McDonald's commercial and, you know, we hear that little jingle and, and what do you feel like eating? Exactly. Right. And some cultures definitely revolve around food. I grew up in Japan and I've been watching more Japanese TV as of late. I actually find it to be pretty positive and, and very little sort of fear mongering that we've become somewhat accustomed to here in North America. So I'll watch comedy shows and things like that. The vast majority of advertisement I've found is usually around snack foods or drinks, interestingly enough. But Japan is one of those cultures where they eat tons of fried food. And you wonder why, like Japanese people are generally, I mean, it's a vast generalization, but they're generally healthy, generally skinny. Many do seem to die of cancer. That could be smoking habit or other things like that contributing to that whole thing. But it, you know, in Japan, food is a major part of the culture. When you celebrate, you eat sushi, you know, over here, we eat sushi whenever we feel like it there, they generally only eat it for celebrations. So there's, there's some of those differences that, that are going to contribute to how you eat as well. 
Well, you know, you're right. And, you know, we're bombarded with the all-you-can-eat buffets as well. And, I mean, that does contribute to a lot of people's, uh, you know, waistlines yeah. as well, right? And and overeating and consuming way more calories than I think people want to uh, consume. And, you know, it is a great feeling to be able to go to a buffet and eat what you want and really get full and get your money's worth, I guess, right? You know, a $25 buffet or whatever the buffet cost that you went to. But really, you know, you want to get $50 worth of value of food and you only pay $25 for it. You know, it feels so good when you feel like you you've cheated the restaurant out of uh right. you know their profit margin but uh unlikely yeah unlikely they you know the food that they're getting uh is for a reason that price point and you know and that's what you're consuming right so it's like we could make that comparison between a carrot which we would generally consider to be healthy food or at least most of us would and then eat like three fries, which would be about the size of a carrot, right? And the difference in calories would be frightening when you actually take a look at the difference in nutrition. Right. And I, I'm sure you've seen the same thing and same as our listeners. They've probably seen infographics on, you know, what, what uh, th- you know, 400 calories worth of, let's say, a meat-based product looks like and what a 400 calories of a vegetable uh, meal looks like. And if you look at 400 calories in a vegetable, you're looking at plates and plates of food Tons. versus, you know, 400 calories in meat is very small. It's not a lot. And I mean, it shows, uh, I guess it really shows us why we, we've become a, a society of over-consumers, right? I mean, uh, just look south of where we are to the US. I mean, they're having huge epidemics right now where more and more people are, you know, getting obese and and it's becoming a huge problem, not just in the US, but, you know, it's becoming a problem here in Canada. It's going to slowly start becoming a problem all over the world too, because a lot of people all over the world are are looking to Western society as a way to live. And as the uh, big companies like McDonald's and KFC Mm -hmm. start going into these, uh, countries they start introducing their food and their fatty food i'll say uh into that you know general public and we they've grown to believe because the west has been able to enjoy these foods that they should also uh, i think enjoy these foods as well i think that's exactly right and i mentioned japan earlier but that's one of those countries where the companies that you just mentioned whether it's mcdonald's kfc or wendy's others are beginning to proliferate so Yes, we have that image of the culture as being perhaps healthy and skinny and things like that, but there are others who are gaining more weight, and, and it's and in a way it's more accepted than it was in times past. Right, and I think, you know, especially in North America, there's still a huge thing where, you know, th- there's two, I think, kinds of... Two, maybe three kinds of people. There's the super ultra fit that we only see in our magazines and our billboards <laughs> and all our social media. And we're just in, inundated by these supermodels and perfect bodies of people who we, we should strive to be like, right? And then there's the average person, you know, the way the average person looks. And then there's, you know, the people who are obese and, and we, we feel that these people are not a part of society. And that's kind of what we're told that these people need to start looking like the supermodels. And, and that's what they're being fed as well. You know, I, I I do feel that they're being fed lies on how they should look. Yeah, they should definitely maybe look at what they're eating and try try to strive to look like a normal person. I'll put that in quotes. But I don't mm. think a normal person is three percent body fat and just huge muscular, um, you know, a body. It really is, I think, more of a healthy balance. We're all like fans of various models and famous people and celebrities and things like that. I'm a fan of David Duchovny as an actor. I have others that I like as well, like Kevin Spacey. But David Duchovny is 56. So for a man that's about that age, he's incredibly fit. In fact, I think he's actually the buffest he's ever been based on some of the things that I've seen. But So I looked up his, his, his workout or diet routine, and his diet is like primarily vegan, and his workout routine is a triathlon. 
honest. And I was like, I can't, I can't follow that. Not with the lifestyle that I'm living at any rate, but, uh, you know, that those, for those people, for a lot of those people, that is kind of their livelihood. That's how they make their money. They make their reputation. They, they get more jobs as an actor is by preserving that image of youth and health and, and uh, vitality. Absolutely. And, you know, um, you, you see um, Will Smith when he made the movie Ali, right? He, mm-hmm, he bulked right. up for that movie. And since that movie, he stayed pretty, you know, bulky. And he stayed, you know, he's kept his, his look and he's kept that feel. If, you, if A lot of listeners probably remember Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he was a skinny <laughs> little kid. And, you know, you can see the, the body transformation he's gone through. And I think that's the, the one definitely cool thing about Hollywood is, you know, people like Tom Cruise, you know, they get um, taught how to maybe use a, a sword so they can, and then fight to be a samurai and do those scenes uh, themselves, right? And that's one of the neat things that Hollywood does allow you. But it also, they cater to your diet. They make sure you start looking that exact part. Right. And then when that movie is over, it's up to you now to hire the right people to continue to have you look like that, right? I mean, uh, you don't typically see the Hollywood star that, star that goes from extremely fit right down to big slob and, you know, a big guy right afterwards, right? Or a big girl afterwards. Typically, you know, they, they are able to keep that fitness because they've learned how to eat properly uh, while they're being trained to eat properly. Which can also be inspiring because it can show you that what is possible when you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, possibly. You can still gain muscle if that's what you want to do. You can still lose weight and become skinny or just a healthy, comfortable weight for you if that's what you're aiming for. So people often put such restrictions on their age. I even heard that from, from one of my friends recently. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I you know, I'm not... I'm not the kind of guy to disagree with people. I will disagree inwardly rather than outwardly a lot of the time. Are you sure? Because me well, and you quite have quite a bit of disc- heated uh, discussions sometimes. That's because that's the concept of the podcast. So okay, let's, not, <laughs> let's not neglect <laughs> that part of things. You know, you're right. There is there is sometimes that outward disagreement as, as well. I, I won't lie. It's just, you know, sometimes you're picking up other people's mentality and you're not going to try to challenge them on that. Uh, it really depends on the situation. But yeah, he's like, you know, well, you know, you're at that age where food, your pro- body just processes food differently. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to just accept that as, as face value, as being true, as being what my destiny is as, as a human being. I believe my body is my body and the way in which I take care of it will make a difference as far as how fit I am, how healthy I am and how comfortable I am in my own skin. Right. I think he does make a good point saying that your body will process food differently as you age. I don't think he's wrong there. But I think if we we know that, I think you hit it on the nose too, is where if we actually are aware of that, then we have to understand what kind of foods we need to start putting into our body so our body will continually processing food uh, the way we need it to process it versus the way we want it to process it, right? Because, I mean, if we're going to stick to eating a strictly fatty diet, I mean, it's going to process whatever you put in there, but it's also going to show you the results of what you're putting on your body uh, on your body through maybe getting fat or maybe had developing some sort of disease or you know high blood pressure high sugar uh, you know all those things are going to be ailments that may come to you if you're not you know listening to what your body's saying to you yeah so part of it is watching 
what you eat. And there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with having maybe a cheat meal here and there, possibly even a, a cheat day. You know, with Christmas time and the holidays, people often tend to gain weight. As long as it's not in like a completely unhealthy proportions, I think that is that is perfectly fine. And as long as you're still going to be able to meet your your health and fitness goals in the new year, there's no problem. I think the body can totally handle and even process a little bit of, you know, maybe not so good food here and there. It's just the constant and consistent eating and the wear and tear that and inflammation that happens over time. That's problematic. Right. And, you know, I like the idea of what you said, because you're like, you know, about cheat meals, you know, we see our, we see the celebrities, you know, I used to follow the rock on uh, mm. Twitter and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't want to anymore. And I don't, uh, not that I don't like the rock. He's actually still one of my favorite actors. It just, you know, it, it gives me a false sense of security. I think sometimes because you'll see what he eats as his cheat day. And it, it makes people, I believe, think that anybody can eat like that. But I think, you know, people have to realize his physique allows him to eat like that. But I think people who have a normal physique or maybe a little bit bigger physique, um, I mean, bigger, not fit uh, physique, believe they can also eat like the rock eats and, and look like the rock. And it's not necessarily true. So I didn't like that idea where I'm being shown that, you know, until I look and, and be as big as the rock, I don't want to necessarily know about rocks diet because I need to know the diet of somebody who's uh, maybe my size and how to get leaner versus to someone who's probably about a good 150 pounds heavier than me and, and try to keep up with their eating. And someone like James Schramko has Burger Fridays, right? I think that's such an inspirational thing for like a business owner to just go out on a Friday afternoon and have a burger. You know, he's obviously got his hours down and under control to where he can have a lot of freedom of time. But you make a good point. You have to look at your workout. I mentioned sumo wrestlers earlier that actually work really, really hard to gain the muscle mass and fat that they do. And it's a fairly unique uh, sort of health or way of, of working out and, and making your body into into what you want it to be. But they that is something that they, they pay attention to. It's not as though like they're trying to be unhealthy and that's why they're gaining weight. It's like it's part of the sport where you gain weight, you're, you're heavy, but you're also muscular and powerful. Uh, and that's what you need to be able to do to participate in that style of wrestling. Absolutely. And, you know, I've only seen a couple of sumo matches and you'll see like the little guy sometimes beats the big guy, right? It's yep, just sometimes. learning how to use the, your weight uh, and the way the other person is using their weight against them, right? Is using their bo body motion against them, right? So, uh, I mean, sometimes the little guy does beat Goliath too, right? So, uh, I know we were talking a little bit about that prior to uh, starting to record, but That's right. um, it, it is an interesting thing. So, I, I do think that, you know, the diets that these sumo wrestlers eat, do you know what they're usually consisted of? Yes, I don't remember the exact name of what it is that they eat. I can maybe look it up a little bit later, but it's it's essentially like a, a big stew or or like borscht or like uh, soup, right, with everything in it. You know, meat, vegetables, everything, and they eat a ton of it. And I think they actually, you know, they portion it out toward to to help them build towards their goal weight. Right. You know. I that's actually really interesting. So you're saying they kind of build up to that place they want to be, right? And I think uh, if you look at the way society goes, I think that's exactly how it goes these days too, right? We we continually just eating and eating and we don't really think about what uh, what we're consuming. And over time, yeah, we start getting to that, uh, that look that we may not be enjoying. And, you know, even though we may enjoy the way we look in the mirror, sometimes, you know, it's okay to be a little fat and, and enjoy it and say, you know, this is who I am. I'm comfortable in my own body. Um, but you also have to realize 
realize the the com- recomp- uh, the uh, the way you look is not always going to be the best as well, right? So you do have True. to find that balance within yourself because you know, like we talked about earlier, too much body fat can mean heart disease. Not enough body fat can also lead to some other sort of problems as well, right? So you have to kind of know your body, really find what's uh, good for you. I know uh, you kind of quickly looked up uh, what sumo wrestlers eat. So yes, I did. Go ahead. It, it's called chunkonabe, which is basically a stew with everything in it and they eat a lot of it so that's basically how that works and you know it's probably better to say this earlier rather than later but we're not health professionals we're not nutritionists or doctors or anything like that so you you know do do your own testing and examination and research to find out what's best for you Absolutely. You know, uh, you have to try the different foods and see how your body reacts to it, right? I know for myself, uh, I used to eat thicker cuts of steak and I would notice my body would not process it this, you know, the way it used to when I was a little younger. Mm. So now what I do is I don't eat thicker cuts of steak when I do enjoy a steak every so often, not a lot. I don't eat a lot of red meat. Um, but when I do, you know, I, I enjoy smaller slices and I'll chew it more and I'll, and I'll try to make sure I break it down quite a bit more so my body doesn't have to work so hard uh, to process it because it doesn't work the same way it used to work, right? I mean, uh, I've mentioned, I'm not sure if I mentioned on this show before or not, that I, I did have ulcerative colitis. Right. And since that time of uh, now being off my medicines, I have to be re- very cognitive of how, what I'm eating, what I'm putting in my body and how my body is going to react to what I'm putting inside of it, right? Because uh, I believe everybody's probably heard that, you know, uh, if you eat meat, red meat throughout your lifetime, when you die, you'll be probably you know, you'll have about five to maybe 10 pounds, maybe eight pounds of undigested red meat sitting in your body. And uh, if you have that kind of food sitting in your body rotting, what does it really do to your system? And I think a big part of that is inflammation. Like in theory, if you could reduce that inflammation, then you could probably eat exactly what you ate when you were younger, or at least close to what you were able to eat before. But food sometimes the wrong food choices or combinations or eating at the wrong time can produce even more inflammation. And so that's what kind of makes it difficult for your body to process it over time. I think, I think it has less to do with age and more to do with inflammation. Absolutely. You know, and, and the reason really I want to really talk to you about this today, David was, and talk to our uh, listening audience was I watched a movie called uh, food choices on Netflix. Right? right. And, and I mentioned it to you right after I saw it, I was like, we need to talk about this. I just thought it, it worked very well with our ph- pharmaceutical talk that we had done and you know our goal as a society is not to be on drugs and to be drugged up by the pharmaceutical industry you know I think our goal as humans is to be as healthy as possible and not have to rely on uh, pharmaceuticals right I mean there are going to be instances where we can't help it we do need certain uh, drugs you know especially we have stuff like cancer Uh, you know I'm not gonna like you said already we're not health professionals but if you have cancer absolutely I mean you're gonna look to the to the best of the best of what's out there you're gonna try to take care of yourself and you should you know you should uh, try to prolong your life the best you can right and and try to make it as comfortable as possible as you're going through that process but our goal is not to have a cancer in our body right our goal is to have less cancer in our body and you know based on what the, the show was saying it was really talking about the the consumption of meat you know and how it, it can lead to having major issues you know down the line or even as we're consuming it yeah, and so we're told. So I'm excited to explore that in more detail and find out if that's actually the truth. Well, I think the only way to find <laughs> out is really, you know, is within yourself, right? I mean, we know a yeah. lot of people who have, uh, you know, we're talking about The Rock earlier. He has, a, he eats quite a bit of meat, right? He eats 12 eggs just for breakfast. Mm. Uh, you know, I eat 12 eggs maybe in a week. 
right? But he eats it just for breakfast and he eats it daily. So uh, he eats quite a bit of cod and, and steaks and chicken breasts. I mean, he's a, a gentleman who consumes a lot of meat, but he's also a person who has a, a physique most people would want, right? Or would love to strive to have, but they're definitely looking to put the work in, I believe, right? Um, I think as the average person, we have to look at the way we look uh, and the way we want to look and feel in the long term, right? I mean, um, and really decide if that's going to be what we want, eat a lot of meat or not eat a lot of meat, or maybe eat none, right? I mean, mm. there are vegans, there are vegetarians, there's meat eaters, and there's people who don't even eat vegetables, they don't believe in it, right? Uh, they they say that the, the food on their plate is what eats vegetables, right? So, uh, it, I mean, there's a lot of variety of people and I mean, only through, I guess, statistics can we really find out who the healthiest people are. There's a ton of meat in our culture or and meat byproducts. Pretty much every fast food joint that you can name has meat as a prominent ingredient in, in most of their foods and dishes that they serve. I would even argue that a lot of restaurants do, although you can often find vegetarian or other options sometimes it's a lack of options that prompts us to go okay well i guess i'll have meat tonight anyway instead of perhaps choosing a healthier option and then if you don't eat meat and i experimented with this in july for an entire month i felt less energetic i didn't feel as good i didn't feel normal and i guess in some ways you just got to figure out what it is you're gonna if you're not gonna eat meat you have to figure out what you're gonna replace that with or else you'll be even more low energy if if you're already a low energy person you're going to feel even worse so that's not a great place to be in and it's not a balanced way to live even so that's another major consideration absolutely and again if you're going to stop eating meat for a month i think you do have to realize what your body is going to go through, right? I mean, your body is now going to be detoxing everything yeah. out of your intestines and it only comes out one way. So you have to let that process happen. You know, it, it, it sounds kind of disgusting, but it's a natural process, right? Uh, you have to clean your intestines out. You got to get all that good bacteria back in your system. So then you can start building your body back up to have the energy, right? I know one of the stats that um, they had mentioned in the movie was the closer you are to the equator, the more plant-based foods are eaten and as you get further from the equator uh, the more meat is actually consumed I just thought that was an interesting thing so I started thinking about it you know what kind of people live closer to the equator and a lot of times you know if we start looking into South America it's a lot of the native Indians of South America they have you know the nat- the rainforests to live off of or uh, or consume foods from if you start looking into you know as you go more north let's say we go into northern Canada we start looking at Eskimos and of course I mean there's not a lot of plants growing growing up uh, growing the tundra right no. uh there's a lot of seals and a lot of uh whale and and meat and and fats to consume uh and that's kind of what their only diet is so it's a very interesting thing to see as the weather starts changing what we start eating you could also consider like tropical locations whether it's hawaii obviously that's a place where they I- import things like spam so you know besides fish they may not eat quite as much meat there you could also say that same probably for Okinawa. So it's a really interesting point. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting, right? I mean, uh, it's also interesting to me, I thought too, is if we start looking at superfoods as well, a lot of the most uh, things that we consider superfoods and we start hearing more and more about them, they actually come closer to the equator typically, right? Mm. If you start looking at coconuts, they're always grown in warmer countries. Uh, you know, if you start looking at uh, different, all the different herbs and stuff that are grown and, and consumed by people, you know, especially a lot of the natives uh, know about the, you know, the power of a lot of these herbs and a lot of people in China and India have been 
been using these herbs for thousands of years as well in, in traditional medicine as well as just a traditional cooking as a way to stay healthy, right? And if I, I know you were mentioning too that, you know, typically uh, the Japanese people, I think along with a lot of the Chinese people uh, and sometimes even Indian people, right? They do uh, live longer lives because they have more of a plant-based diet. I don't know, um, you know, in India for sure, I know growing up in a Hindu family, uh, meat wasn't one of the things that we ate a lot of right now. Um, when I moved uh, to, not when I moved, but when my parents had moved from uh, in Ca- India to Canada and my and I was born here in Canada, my aunt suggested to my mom, hey, why don't you let your kids try McDonald's? And, you know, my at that time, up until that moment, we had actually never, me and my sister had never eaten meat. And uh, because of my aunt's suggestion to my mom and the power of the suggestion, you know, now I, I have tried meat. I do still eat meat. Uh, I'm obviously trying to eliminate it as much as I can, mm. you know, trying to um, just be healthier in my own for my own body. But it was just an interesting thing how other people's suggestion can and can uh, impact your life in, in ways you don't even know. The fascinating thing about somewhere like Japan is that we might have that mental image of them eating very well or more plant-based diets versus meat diets. But like I was saying earlier, they actually eat a lot of fried foods and they also eat a lot of meat. So that isn't always the case. Uh, I would say rice is a pretty major, you know, component of the Japanese diet. So that's kind of more plant-based for sure. But then accompanying that is often fish. It's often some kind of meat dish or miso soup, which also would often contain meat. So it's, it's, pretty surprising when you actually look at the Japanese diet. It's not, in some ways, it's not that different than ours, but I would say portion wise, there would certainly be a difference. For sure. And, and, you know, I think the idea also is they don't consume a lot of meats. They might have a smaller portion of it for the extra right. protein, right, um, that they're looking to get. Because your muscles do need protein to to not deteriorate as well as to grow, right? And, I mean, that's why. But if we look at, you know, North American society, when we go to these buffets, you know, we just gorge ourselves in a yeah. lots and lots of protein, lots and lots of fried meats and, and fish. And, and, you know, fish itself is, is probably pretty good for you if you can get rid of all the mercury mercury and all the contaminants in it but let's take a let's look at it and say okay let's say it was healthy for you eating a small portion of fish is great because it does give you that protein you need but so do a lot of other plant-based foods have a lot of protein as well yeah and you could even say comfort foods is what dominates buffets things like mac and cheese and fries and other things that make you feel better in the moment but may not make you feel that much better later on Absolutely, you know, and, and that's exactly what they do, right? It's, and you, we've all been to buffets. And I'm also yeah. guilty of it. I don't know if anybody's uh, that's listened to our show has been to the buffet in Las oh. Vegas at the Rio. It is wall to wall of the most amazing food, tacos, pastas, but they're all heavy foods and they're yeah. all uh, fried foods. And, and they're, you know, then you get to the dessert table after you're done eating and, you know, you're at a buffet and, you know, what's a little dessert going to hurt you? But then you have a full plate of like, you know, cookies and, and uh, cheese cakes and all this sugar added foods as well right so not only now are you consuming you know way more calories just in your in your dinner now you've consumed uh, you're starting to consume a lot of sugar as well and you know eating too much sugar or too many calories in one sitting I, in my personal belief can't be too healthy for you yeah my favorite by the way is indian buffet but i know we're talking about health here <laughs> i'm not sure how much better that is for you versus uh, western buffet but who knows 
Well, if you're talking about an Indian buffet containing of mostly lentils, it might be okay. But if you're talking about the North American Indian buffet where they yeah. got a lot of butter chicken, <laughs> I'm just going to say it's probably not the best. Curries and fried potatoes and pakoras and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah the pakoras. My mom's actually uh, made pakoras for uh, Christmas. So it's kind of a nice thing because I don't really get to have my mom's cooking all the time because mm. I don't live with my parents. But uh, that's what she made for Christmas. And it was amazing. I could probably go on and on about that side of food, too, because I enjoy food. <laughs> well, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's the, I think you hit it. And I think that's the one thing we're being sold in, in, in society is the enjoyment of food. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think you were right before as well. A lot of times food is part of culture. If you look at the Italian yes. culture, look at the Greek culture, look at Indian culture, Chinese culture, Japanese culture, Vietnamese culture, and probably all the South American cultures as well. I know I've talked to a lot of people uh, of, you know, uh, Spanish, some sort of Latin background as well. Uh, and, and all their cultures are very similar, right? And they're all based on gathering around everybody, community, uh, getting together and eating and enjoying the company of each other, right? Um, a lot of times that's how people are. But in North America, we're, we're kind of said, you know, yeah, enjoy the community, but eat a huge feast, right? I think um, one of the, f- the things I liked about the movie said too was that eating a lot of meat was you know back in the mid mid uh, maybe 15 14 15 1600s that the meat was really for the rich people it wasn't really mm. for the people who had you know not a lot of money right but if we looked at the way those rich are portrayed and even paintings today, we'll see that those people were a little bit bigger. They weren't really skinny, right? They right. were fatter, right? So it does show that, you know, if we look back into history, even hundreds of years, you know, hundreds of years ago, you'll see that these people weren't really in the best shape, but we would consider them, you know, if we were looking today to say, yeah, they were in good shape. They were probably healthy, right? They had that healthy body. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could argue that the way that somebody like Ryan Reynolds or The Rock looks is in some ways unnatural. We know that it's attainable, so we can all look like He-Man if we if we want to, <laughs> and we work really hard at it. Is that the healthiest thing? I don't know. And maybe the way that those those rich people were portrayed is is a little bit on the healthier side. Or maybe, like you're hinting at, it was actually more unhealthy for them because they were carrying too much weight and, and eating too much meat and gorging themselves on all the foods that were available. Right, and I think that's one thing that uh, you know our listeners might know I mean growing up for myself I always heard you know if you want to retire you want to if you're rich you want to retire in places like Florida right that's where the, the mm. rich retire and if you look at all the people that you know that, and I apologize if I uh, offend anybody but you know if we start looking at the people in Florida some of them are a little bit bigger right and we're told that's the all that's the lifestyle of the rich and, and that's how the famous might live right um, or at least the rich maybe not the famous right but uh, that's how we're taught that they live and they move to places like Florida and they just kind of let go and let, uh, you know, life's ambitions, you know, put them on the shelf and start eating and enjoying life that way. And, uh, you know, it's probably uh, what society has painted the picture. I don't really know if that's the the true picture of what's actually happening out there, but I think that's what we're being sold uh, to believe, right? So, I mean, uh, a lot of this, again, is based on industries wanting to grow. Uh, you know, the, the meat industry has to make money, right? And, and um, you know, it's a, it's an industry that makes billions of dollars. And same as the, the uh, farming industry, the wheat industry, pharmaceutical industry, all these industries make billions and billions of dollars telling us what's good for us and, you know, what's not so good for us. 
Absolutely, yeah. And this is the way that we get conditioned over time through media. We think it has no effect on us whatsoever, but like through regular programming, if you hear the same things over and over and over again, pretty soon you'll be convinced of the value of them. And that's something that, you know, that's why I encourage a lot of people to challenge their thinking. Maybe you're right. Maybe the media has telling you the truth and you've been conditioned over time to believe the truth. But I would say there's a better chance you've been conditioned to believe what isn't true and what isn't really good for you. For example, living in Florida, one, probably not as expensive as you think it is. Number two, if that's the way you want to finish your life, that's fine. We're not here to judge if you want to finish your life eating a lot of great food and just enjoying yourself that way. Awesome. Nothing wrong with that. Three, you're in a hotter climate, so you're probably going to lose more weight uh, just by being in that environment. But I think a lot of time it's water weight, though, not necessarily true. fat. True, true. Yeah, it's probably more so water weight. But those are those are some of the considerations that I would begin to look at. Yeah, and, and we're not picking on Florida. <laughs> no, no, I'd love to visit, and I hope I don't uh, get beat up for going I think, there. I think I have a stepsister there, so yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, and the other, one of the things I, I and the movie also, also mentioned was, and I thought this was a pretty interesting fact, is we only consume mostly animals that are vegetarian, but we are meat eaters. So, right. you know, cows, when cow, another, a cow eats another cow, what happens typically? Mad cow disease? Mad cow disease. They get some sort of disease. They get any some sort of problem and th- that if we consume it, then we also get that problem. So uh, if I'm hearing it right, is if an animal eats itself, it gets a disease. So what happens to us? If we're mammals, we're also considered animals then. If we are now eating other animals, well, what do you think our fate ultimately could be? It's so problematic because so many of animals are now corn fed. So essentially they're eating what is not entirely natural to them. Corn is affordable. It's cheap. It's easy. People go, why is that a big deal? Because these animals don't usually eat corn. That's not how they get their nutrition. You know, cows eat grass and that's how they get their nutrition. So when you think about, you know, how unhealthy some of these animals could be, and then you proceed to eat that animal, what benefits is that going to have for you? Right. And so, but why are we being told then, I guess, that eating an animal that's eating corn uh, as maybe a great good percentage of their diet is going to be so healthy for us, right? I know uh, protein is probably the biggest reason a lot of us eat um, meat is because, you know, we're told we should eat, you know, if we're working out at least, you know, one gram per body weight that you weigh. If you're not working out, we're told, you know, maybe eat 50% to 75% of your body weight in protein a day. Um, But, you know, why are we told that meat is the only way that we can get maybe 75, 100, 150, 200 grams of protein? Is there not any other way? There's plant-based protein. You can use protein, like whey protein shakes and things like that. Sure, there's other sources. It's not just meat. Right. So, but why are we, you know, what do you think? Why do you think we're told meat is our biggest? Well, we've talked about the food group before. I mean, it's not just the dairy industry that was benefiting from that. Anything, anybody that was on that list was benefiting from educating people, you know, generation X or, or even before that the food group was the right way to get a balanced meal. And of course it included meat. It included dairy, you know, things like that. Were, were there some real, with, with, you know, does the food group have some benefits as far as like 
what would a ba- balanced meal look like? Sure, but it's not actually informing you as to what that is. It's just saying you need to get these four food groups. Right. And is junk food on one of those food groups? Because I sometimes really enjoy it. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. And uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised because corn has made its way into pretty much every product. If you look at the grocery store, it's absolutely insane. Most of your snacks are probably based on corn as well. Well, corn and wheat, I find. And are, soy, actually. And soy, too. Yeah, more and more soy. I find wheat, too. I mean, I was eating uh, almonds the other day, and it says may contain flour. And I was like, what are mm. you talking about? It's an almond. How can almonds contain flour? But what they do is to kind of, I guess they might just, they must just sprinkle it with a little bit of flour for some reason. And now it's not gluten free anymore, which it should be, but you know, or vegan or whatever. Now it is, has flour on it and I still don't get why they do it. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, because nuts are already an allergen for some people. And then if you're adding flour to that, like gluten-free people aren't going to want to touch that at all. So <laughs> may, I don't know if it's to like harm people or if it's to benefit people or if it's just because it was produced in the same plant that uh, wheat was produced in. Right. So um, I'm going to maybe not really switch it, but I'm going to maybe look at it a slightly different way because I know you were mentioning, you know, the food pyramid, right? Yes. And uh, who is at the top of that food pyramid? Maybe the healthcare industry, the pharmaceutical industry, possibly even the government. They could all be in cahoots for all we know. Right. And, And I guess who is at the top of our own food pyramid? It's ourself, right? Yes. So we are at the top of the food pyramid and then we eat everything under our pyramid, right? So we consume all the animals, all the plants, all everything. And from what, you know, I've never heard of anybody getting sick from eating a plant. Uh, you know, maybe if it's poisonous, but, you know, I've never heard people say, you know, I've got sick because I ate an apple or I ate a celery or I ate a spinach and I ate a salad. But I've heard people say, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I ate too much of, you know, maybe too many, too, my steak was too much. My stomach just feels a little upset or, you know, I've heard all these statements. So I think sometimes those statements based on how we eat on the pyramid do really tell us, you know, what's going on in the diet. Part of what you're talking about there is natural selection, right? But I think it's also a pretty contentious issue. Some people do say that when, you know, plants are living beings and therefore when you do pull them from their roots, they do produce certain poisons or toxins that your body probably should not consume. Maybe you could cook it to to release it of those poisons or toxins. Some people are now saying fruit is unhealthy. I don't believe that for a damn second, but, <laughs> you know, don't eat too much fruit. It has sugar in it. Okay, well, but like we need natural sugars, don't we? And like fats are not bad for you if you have the right kind of fats. So the right kind of sugars, right kind of fats makes sense to me. Just don't overdo it. Don't overdo anything. You know, everything in moderation or at least most things in moderation can be good for you. That's right. If you're eating just apples and you're eating 40 apples a day, yeah, you probably are going to have some sort of health problems. Ezra Firestone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If you don't know that story, just uh, take a listen to his podcast. Yeah. Think, act, get. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, if you're consuming, you have to have a balanced diet. I think that's the whole point of what we're trying to say. You know, Uh, I'm not telling people to stop eating meat. I mean, that's a decision you will have to make on your own to decide if meat is the right, you know, is a vegetarian diet better for you? Is there a vegan diet better for you? Uh, But just for all our vegetarians and our vegans out there, there's no such thing as a vegan diet or vegetarian, pure vegetarian diet, because if you all consume 
water. Uh, please realize that there's living organisms in water, and uh, mm. you're concerned. You know, you're still going to be consuming living organisms. Uh, plankton being one of them. Um, so you know, just realize there's no such thing. But I mean, uh, water is still going to be good for you, regardless if you're vegetarian or not. And maybe I'm jumping ahead a bit in, in saying this, Matt, but like I think probably cows, chickens, other types of of meat are fed pharmaceuticals so even when we think we aren't taking pharmaceuticals we are in fact taking drugs that we never intended to and and now even though we don't we're not on a subscription program with our local health care we're still consuming the things that that are causing us to feel the way we feel Absolutely. You know, I 100% agree with you. One of the stats that uh, were in the movie was that, you know, we we uh, consume on the planet Earth in one year, 80 to 100 billion animals. Uh, I don't even know how to fathom that number. I know when I was telling you that number, it's unfathomable, but you have to wonder first, okay, well, how are all these animals grown? And I think you hit it. uh, So we can feed this many people. I mean, we got about 7 billion people on this planet. And unfortunately, not all 7 billion people on this planet consume uh, this 80 to 100 billion animals. You know, it's a very small percentage. And those are the percentage of people who have, you know, diseases, I believe. Uh, And and they do come from, you know, uh, if you need to grow cows and you need to grow them quick to feed um, the society, because, you know, we, we, we're a society of people who just want to consume and consume. Uh, you have to give them steroids so you can start growing them a little bit faster. I've heard of stuff like where chickens are grown without their heads for, you know, yes. they're just pretty much growing the meat part of it. They don't need the fillers, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing, but I mean, it, it does play, it does lead to a way of thinking, you know, um, if we need food to for people to consume so we can all live then we have to look at well what's right do we cons- do we produce food that's going to feed people and help them live or do we consume you know produce food sorry for consumption that is produced ethically i mean that's a huge question too and i think ethical food is uh, mm. something that's been huge in in the last maybe 10 years 20 years uh, as a topic in society as well I remember doing some assignments. I think it was in junior high. And and trust me, there is a point to this. (laughs) Uh, You know, there was, I think one one of them was just, you know, shadow somebody's career for a day. So that's always a kind of a neat thing to do when when you're in grade school. I think it was one of the few valuable things that I'll take from school is, is following somebody around for a day to see what they're role and what their job was within their specific company. But another thing that they had us do was to interview somebody with a career as well. And so I, I ended up talking to, and I, I think it was specific industries, but I ended up talking to my uncle who was a farmer. So I ended up interviewing him and asking about things. And, and really, you know, he talked about the major issue right now was the industrialization of farming because it, it's really hard for other farmers who are doing things more naturally to compete with that. And and I guess that's how we're able to do so much with so many animals, billions and billions of animals, is because of the industrialization. Really, they're just crammed into a small space where they're, they're taken for everything they're worth. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and they do, I guess, it's hard because you got to look at what they're doing. They are feeding us, right? I mean, they're feeding our appetite. But, you know, could we not use the industrial age to, to cram a bunch of fruits and vegetables into the same amount of space and grow that? for mm. the, the 7 billion plus people on this planet, right? I mean, it's just a way to change your thinking, right? It's a really interesting point because we make it so easy 
tastes to eat badly. You've got fast pizza, you've got fast sandwiches, you got burgers, you got fries, you got tacos. I mean, anything you want, you can get it fast if that's the way you want to eat it versus natural, you know, food with natural ingredients. Well, exactly. And I think you had said it because a lot of those fast foods are definitely cheaper, right? You can, I mean, not, it's not, uh, something i'm making up you go to mcdonald's go look at their dollar menu it's hamburgers you know i've never seen a salad on their dollar menu but it would be a lot healthier and more people may consume it if it was on their dollar menu but it's not but it's hamburgers it's something quick and easy it's bread it's it's meat it's uh condiments uh and uh, pickles which are you know they could be good bad for you i'm not too sure they're salty i know salty, that yeah so uh, you know too much salt can be bad for you too right and all they've done is taken this a combination of, of foods of wheat and meat and uh, uh, you know sugar and, and really have put it together and fed it to us right and those three things the wheat the meat and the sugar are you know probably one of the three things one all three of them are actually the biggest things that uh, have harmed society I believe something that I've been reflecting more on lately because I was at a, a dollar store with a friend and I rarely buy from a dollar store at anything anymore but and I'm not telling other other people not to. If you want to buy stuff in the dollar store, that's fine. There's there's lots of good cheap stuff there for for various uses, even kitchen use, which is awesome. And sometimes you need to save money. And I was in that same position where I needed to save money, so I'd buy things from like Tim Hortons, the dollar store. And and Tim Hortons is kind of a, a for those who don't know, kind of a fast food donut place like in any other you've probably been to in the U.S. I think uh, Dunkin' Donuts is Dunkin'. probably the the most recognizable name yeah probably and and uh, what was another place that uh, i would sometimes buy or I, I guess grocery wise i would just buy a lot of mac and cheese and and noodles so like i was doing this to sacrifice for a period of time so i could get my business off the ground it was never a long-term arrangement so i would i would still go back and do it again if i had to but you don't want to do that for longer periods of time because obviously your health your health will take a, take its toll or you just won't feel as good or have as much energy that you need to actually get your business off the ground. So I did that short term and, you know, other people watch me and go, you're crazy. You should not do that. But sometimes you have to get through those difficult periods, whether it's finances or something else that's, that's you know, making think un unable for you to eat what you want to eat. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think back to uh, college students, right? And I know I, yeah. I lived at home when I went through college. So, you know, I didn't necessarily have to go through the same thing uh, a lot of different college students have to go through. But I mean, the ramen noodle diet is probably yes. the, the most common diet. And I think you hit it on the nose with the mac and cheese. It, it's cheap. It's 70, it's 70 cents for a package. And I mean, you can add uh, little vegetables, a little meat to it and make it a, you know, pretty decent meal if, you know, but if you start eating this every single day, I mean, your body will probably start start showing their, the, their, the reflection of what you're eating is eventually, right? So I know they always say what you eat is, you know, what you become as well, right? So uh, we have to decide, I guess, as a society, what do we want to become? Do we want to become, uh, you know, a little bit leaner, a little bit more healthier? You know, like I'm not saying don't eat unhealthy food. I mean, we got to live. We're only here once, uh, you know, on this planet Earth. What might we've as been well told. enjoy living. It might as well enjoy living. And that's what some people think too, right? So, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me eating a bunch of food and just getting, you know, a little bit bigger. And, and you know, it's not, I'm not talking about everybody because not everybody's mentality is like that at all. Some people do have addictions to food. I mean, sugar is yes. one of the biggest addictions we know uh, out there. I know it's been compared to things like heroin before. Or alcohol. Or alcohol or cigarettes or, uh, or other drugs as well, right? Um, opiates and whatnot. But um, 
the sugar, I mean, we have to, again, just look at the way it is. And I mean, we know all know what sugar does uh, to our bodies. You know, we, we can see it in the way the mice uh, in, in labs have been, uh, you know, fed sugar and what happens to their bodies as well, right? So, I mean, are we, I guess it brings a good point. Are we just lab rats for somebody else? In some ways, we probably are. You know, they're just testing things out to see what happens. And if they can pump us full of this food that's been controlled in some way and then they can pump us full of pharmaceuticals to sort of keep us on keep us on the border of being alive for longer but not too long (laughs) you know i mean that seems to be the experiment that's playing itself out but i'm not saying that's absolutely true it just seems to be uh the appearance of of what's happening Right. And again, it seems like you're, you know, I think you're saying the pharmaceutical industry is, is probably got a hand in it. Yes. Possibly, right? And and, and the other thing, too, I was uh, looking at is I know the pharmaceutical industries also is is uh, the makers of a lot of multivitamins. And I, I'm mm. sure you've taken some multivitamins before, David. Yeah. Right. And I know I have as well. And I was told that, you know, we need to take multivitamins because the food we eat doesn't have the vitamins, you know, that we need. Well, I guess we have to look at how that, what food we're eating and uh, it makes sense right because a lot of the food that we eat these days or at least in north america is a lot of processed food Mm -hmm. right what kind of um you know vitamins do we expect to find in processed food right uh hot dogs aren't really you know meat they're just kind of the odds and ends of everything else that wasn't usable but they sell it to us as a delicious food um and don't get me wrong it is delicious if i go to a ball game one day i will have a hot dog because it's about the experience right but i wouldn't necessarily always have one right um and the quality of food or the quality of vitamins rather does matter because sometimes the vitamin, the cheaper vitamins that you can take are like petroleum based products. And there are a lot of products that just, just like red meat will go undigested in your body and just remain in there. Whereas a good quality vitamin will be made naturally. It may not make you feel instantly 10 times better than you feel right now, but like over time regular use of a quality vitamin should help you feel a bit more a bit better and a little more energetic right and your statement i know uh i believe what you said is true but i also believe what your statement is what the pharmaceutical industry wants us to believe is if you take a multivitamin every day eventually over time you'll feel great but why doesn't the pharmaceutical industry or the food industry say hey if you eat good food over time you will then have the right nutrition you need as well right i think Again, in North America, we're, we're fed this fast food mentality where, you know, if you want to get health fast, just eat a multivitamin. Now, there's only two vitamins that uh, I know your body doesn't produce. I believe it was uh, a vitamin D and a B12, right? And those are the two um, vitamins that we need to get externally, right? A D usually comes from uh, the sun. And I, be, I believe, um, you know, vitamin B12 can come from, come from drinks like kombucha because it is a, a good, you know, energy boosting type uh, vitamin, right? So, but everything else from A to Z, uh, absolutely, we should be able to get from our foods as long as we're eating good foods. And again, in North America, we're not necessarily eating the most healthiest foods. And I think we are trying to make good choices. Uh, I know probably just like yourself, David, and a lot of our listeners, we go to the grocery store, yeah. we pick up the box, we read the ingredient, we try to understand what it means. And we see low fat, high fat, you know, carbs, low carbs, high protein, low protein, high salt, low salt. We're just trying to figure out what the right balance is in the food we're about to eat and put into our own body. But, you know, we don't, I think, necessarily understand everything about nutrition as much as we believe we are experts 
I think partly it comes from these studies. I don't know if they're real studies or if they're <laughs> just pseudoscience or not that tell us, well, if you want to get the equivalent of the nutrition that you used to be able to get in a banana a hundred years ago or whatever it is, then, you know, for every one banana that you could eat back then, you'd have to eat 30 bananas today. So they make it sound like it's impossible to get the same nutrition you used to be able to get with the food that we used to have. And that's why they say multivitamins are necessary. I don't know if I buy into it 100%, but I think that's where it's coming from. Well, you know, I totally believe what you just said. Um, (laughs) You know, if we think about it, there's billions of dollars spent on vitamins every year. And still, people still get sick. The same people that take vitamins are still getting sick. So it it tells me that, you know, it's not the vitamins are not necessarily the issue. It's probably the person's diet. You know, vitamins cannot control what you put into your body. And only thing your body can do with the vitamins is, like you said, one of two things. Uh... When you put it in, they can either break it down and absorb it, mm-hmm. or if you put the vitamin in your body and it's a, a cheaper quality vitamin, it may just go through your body and your body will never break it down. It'll never properly absorb it, and you might f- uh, find it in the in the bottom of your toilet, right? So it really depends. I think if if the if we were just told the truth in, hey, you know what? If you eat good food and uh, you know start there as your basis, and then add the vitamins your your you know maybe your body uh, lacks, that might be a better way to start. There are so many factors there, which is really interesting because even the way you think, your attitudes around your life, not just life, your attitudes around what you're eating, if you're saying to yourself, this is going to be bad for me as I'm as you're eating it, even the healthiest dish could possibly turn into poison into in your body. And even if you're eating the worst dish, you could possibly eat for yourself and say, this is good for me. That could maybe make it more beneficial to you rather than not, although it could still have harmful effects. So I'm not saying that you can just bless your food and eat whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. But, you, you know, your general stress level, how you feel about yourself, we don't always factor in those things but they're huge your your dna all those things can play a part in in how you process food which is why it has to be catered to the individual even taking dna tests if that's something that you could afford to do might be worthwhile to find out what's best for you yeah exactly um you said it perfectly i think dna is huge you know um if we have to understand what you know what we're made of it's to understand what we can put on our bodies i know i've heard of stuff like the uh, blood you know the blood uh, diet so it's like you know based on your blood type yes you know i've heard yeah. of so many different diets the atkins diet and and the you know the paleo diet and the caveman diet and, i mean if we think about the caveman diet the bible kind of, diet the i don't know what the bible <laughs> diet is what's that basically just eating i think there was only three kinds of meat that they would ever eat in the bible so like other than that completely plant-based so i think it was like you know lamb and and venison and something else right it was all they would eat in the in the bible times so like just following whatever it is that they ate back then now do you think they would probably just ate it because of the location they were in i mean if the bible had taken place in north america versus uh, you know in the middle east i think they would have probably ate bison and they would have said that you know bison was a great thing to eat not you know venison i don't even know what venison is. <laughs> well yeah that's deer okay perfect. yeah but i think yeah you could i don't know Yeah, it could have been a different factor altogether. You know, location, environment, culture, all those things could have played a part in in their diet for sure. Yeah, you know, I believe so, right? I mean, your diet is typically based upon what is around you, right? So again, going back to the same point I had earlier was, you know, as the closer you are to the equator, 
there's only certain foods there, right? And more now, you know, uh, so than anything, we've actually started, uh, you know, the, because of the Industrial Revolution, started cutting down the rainforest to raise cows on this land for people, it's right? It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts, you're right. And, you know, um, but we, if we look again to the north, again, with the Inuit, for example, they're eating a lot of meat base, right? So again, it really, I think your location does depend on how you're going to, how you're going to live, right? I mean, as if I was an Inuit living up north, yeah, I'd probably want a little extra fat on me because, you know, being in the cold, uh, it is going to require your body to stay warm, right? And fat definitely helps your body stay warm. If you live in a, you know, a a warm climate, you don't necessarily want to be big because, you know, your body will react much different in that climate uh, if you're bigger or, you know, smaller. I recently won these tickets to South Africa, like coupons for the flight or the trip or whatever. And I always sort of question and doubt whether or not that's just going to be like a timeshare sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I watched this video that I was supposed to watch for half an hour or whatever. And they were talking about how these ponds were stocked with, with trout or whatever. And, uh, it, you know, what it got me thinking was, and I don't know if they're stocked or naturally occurring, but I would almost assume stocked because the thing about trout is they live where we are and we get minus 20 minus 30 sometimes minus 40 weather here in canada they survive and are able to live in fairly cold water what what happens when they're put in hot water i mean i know there's trout in japan too so i guess they're they're kind of a very strong fish no matter how you put it but you know those kinds of things are, are curious in the same way you said moving cows to like rainforest that's kind of what triggered that thought for me right well you know and and i find that interesting because i remember being a kid and that was the one thing that we used to raise money for was saving the rainforest and i never really understood it i mean as a kid you just kind of do what the school says you know yeah. take this thing and go collect money from people you know right and I, I always wondered what the heck did they actually do with that money i wonder if they really did you know save the rainforest or was the school really just taking that money and putting it into their own pockets i have no idea and i guess we will never know uh, at least in my end of things but i mean i was hoping to believe that they took that money to you know buy that land in south you know south america and save the rainforest but you know if you're a school and you have you know expenses it's not hard to say hey you know what we'll sell that land now for triple or 10 times or 20 times or 100 times the cost of what we bought it for you know 30 years ago and now you know make a whole bunch of money on it so really you know i hope they, they do protect it and you know there is wildlife reserves and and uh, places that are protected in yeah. provincial parks and stuff like that and and uh, state parks in the u.s right but you know it, it's hard to say how much money is it going to take before the these, these uh, you know, places that we're protecting don't become protected land because the pharmaceutical industries, the cattle industry, the meat, and you know, all these different industries can make billions and billions of dollars on it. You know, so many things are not as bad as we thought they would be, and so many things are not as good as we thought they would be. You know, it makes me think of of you know, school, grade school, just like you, Maveen. You know, I and we were told how bad the the ozone layer was getting and how things we would be living in a post-apocalyptic highlander world in 1999 and people would be cutting each other's heads off with swords so that they could be <laughs> sustain their immortality or whatever uh, i'm just referring to a cult classic movie in case you hadn't noticed <laughs> but but you know what i mean like we had this image of this being this post-apocalyptic world everybody would be like burning to death and then we would have these really super fl flipping cool uh, you know high 
high-rise buildings that looked futuristic. Well, you know, in terms of scientific and technological progress, we know things are moving fast, but in different ways than we think that maybe we initially thought. And the same can also be said for the environment. So yeah, in some ways things are getting worse, but maybe not in exactly the, the rate or the way we thought it would be. Right. You know, um, I love what you said, and uh, you know, I want to acknowledge what you said there. But um, what do you think is going to happen now? I know the biggest, one of the biggest things that is come up in the last maybe ten years is this battle between f- food, and I put that in quotations, and organic food. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Organic, and yeah, I know, and it's a big thing, right? Like a lot of people think, well, let's get organic food instead of the the alternative and there's obviously a higher or there tends to be a higher price tag on the organic food in supermarkets compared to stuff that isn't organic i mean with some things the whole organic thing is absolutely ridiculous to me right you can get organic tea or you can get tea to me it seems like there wouldn't be a major difference maybe i'm wrong but like certain products like that i feel like there wouldn't be like that much a difference between what's naturally sourced and and what is you know maybe done through more sustainable means so i think that the two tend to be closer than rather than further apart than maybe we have a a tendency of thinking but i also know within organic there's different grades there's certified organic and certified organic is a completely different thing than what we call organic and that might have more benefits than not but i think conversations will continue around this for sure because it's a huge trend right and you know it is more expensive to eat healthier and is that maybe a reason why healthy you know, healthy food is expensive and non-healthy food is super cheap, right? I think when you can, you know, grow uh, to kill 80 to 100 billion animals, there might be a reason behind that, right? It's because they know it's unhealthy and it's easier to, you know, that kind of profit margins in that, you know, if you got, if you're going to consume 100 billion animals, well, how much money do you think worldwide that is actually bringing in? I would have to think well into the trillions of dollars, oh, right? And, and that crazy. money is being cons- made by somebody, right? The same thing is, you know, uh, even if we or the companies are able to grow organically, you know, um, somebody's still going to be making that money. Again, uh, is organic better or not as good? I'm not too sure. You know, I, I do know that a lot of times if you are, for example, going to eat an apple versus a non-organic apple or organic apple, uh, you're going to wash it regardless, aren't you? And you're going to scrub it really good to get all the, right. you know, stuff off it. And, and a lot of times it's just sometimes we just need to scrub the skin of, of that fruit for example, to get any of the pesticides off anyways, if that's what it is. So uh, I think the idea is to still consume more plant-based um, foods versus non-plant-based, right? I know a lot of people say, well, because it's not organic, I'm not going to eat it. Well, right. I think you should still consume vegetables and fruits, not, you know, if, if it's not because you can get it organically or not, right? I think the idea is try to make better choices. Uh, is organic better or not? I mean, I guess there's still... Uh, Uh, results to come out on it, I guess. Yeah, I think so too. And really the only way for us to win in this whole situation is to realize that eating well isn't always as expensive as we think it is, even though there could sometimes be a price tag attached to it. But they say, what's the thing that you're supposed to eat when you have absolutely no money? Beans and rice. And beans and rice may not give you everything you need, but it gives you enough of what you need that it will sustain you, your energy, your health, and your ability to get through your day and work and do everything that you need to do. Amazing. That's not for food groups, is it? 
No, but you know, if you break down what a beans and rice is, it's uh, fiber, mm-hmm. it's protein, it's good fats, and it's uh, uh, carbs, and, and it's right. all so what your body you needs. Yeah. Exactly, you said it right. So uh, I think if, if our listeners go back to Sir Mixalot, I think he said it. You know, <laughs> red beans and rice didn't miss her. So I mean, uh, it's pretty interesting, right? Red beans and rice, or kidney beans in this case, too, right? right? So exactly. uh, there is something to be said. And if you look at the the uh, East Indian diet, is really t- uh, typically, or not just East Indian, I guess, a lot of Middle Eastern as well, uh, Pakistani diet as well. It does consume a lot of uh, lentils. And, mm-hmm. and just like you said earlier with the rice, with the Japanese and Chinese and even Indian and Vietnamese, yep. a lot of the Asian cultures are huge into rice, right? Absolutely, they are. Yeah, so, I mean, there must be some kind of benefit to that if, like, Japanese are regularly keeping their weight off. And maybe that's a difference in the fact that they, they substitute bread with rice. So rice instead of bread. It could be as simple as that. Right. I think, I think you may have said it too, because it depends again, how your body's going to process that, right? Is it easier for your body to process something that's comes naturally like rice? We have to grow rice. We can't grow bread. We have to make bread. So I think the more steps there are in the process of, uh, the food, I guess bread to me is technically is a processed food because we're making it from scratch, right? It's not a real food. Um, rice is something that's grown just from the ground. Same as tea. Tea is a leaf and all we do is consume it. And if you look at stuff like matcha tea and I've done a lot of research on different teas and matcha tea being one of the most healthiest teas because you're consuming the whole leaf right versus um, not consuming the leaf yeah and then another major thing that I've found out through some of my reading is that having a life purpose will keep you alive longer you know there's some historical fingers that live longer because they had something to achieve and i feel like that must factor into your health as well having a purpose having a vision having something to look forward to and to work towards Right. And again, I think that can definitely go a long way on living. Um, I mean, it's not the only thing that keeps us living. I mean, we still see a lot of people uh, who pass way before their time. Uh, You know, we've seen a a lot of that in 2016. A lot of it. I mean, Alan Thicke. Alan Thick recently, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor yeah. was another one. She died at 99. Amazing, um, amazing to, to be able to live that long and, and experience all the things that she probably did. And uh, I'm, you know, I would think uh, having somewhat of a healthy lifestyle and, and great mentality uh, definitely added to her the longevity of her life. Absolutely. Do you have any other points before we wrap up there, Mav? Uh, you know, we could definitely keep talking on this. I mean, uh, I'll bring up one last point, I guess, um, with the organic and non-organic yeah. uh, topic here. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'll say, I mean, I love, like I said, I like playing devil's advocate. So let's, why not? Let's play it. Uh, you know, the biggest concern that people have with um, organic food is it that it takes a lot more resources uh, hmm. to grow Uh or grow properly, right? So you might you may need more land for the cattle to feed on, so they can you know get be grass fed properly. So now we have to use a lot more land to do it, right? And that's why maybe we have places like in South America where they have to cut down the trees so they can naturally potentially naturally allow cows to graze, right? Uh, more water is going to be needed, so you can not only feed the cows but you also have to grow the grass. So now we're using more water to continually do that. Now those you know the people that would 
say, no, no, we, we humans need that water more than the animals need it. So let's, you know, grow them as quick as possible so we can consume that cleaner water. Uh, I think you had another great example with coffee. Do you, uh, with the, the coffee maker, do you want to go through that example? There is some, you know, innovations with, with like heating systems. So like, you know, you might use, normally use a kettle and the problem with a kettle, or at least what these inventors identified was that you usually end up heating more water than you actually need to heat, wasting energy and, and water. And it makes sense that they'd be looking at these kinds of things. I've recently read about like the hotel industry and green and sustainability and stuff like that. So there's a lot of initiatives that people are, are looking to put into place in different industries. So yeah, it's a kettle replacement and basically it'll heat your water. But what you do is you put your glass on it and it will heat the water for, from the bottom up and only for the amount that you're actually going to be using then and there, which is a joke because I don't know too many people that actually finish their tea, water, <laughs> drink, pet bottle drink, whatever it is they're drinking. But anyway, you're, you're using less energy. The thing that they said was it's going to at the closing of the video, because I think it was a crowdfunding campaign, they said was it's going to take a lot of resources to manufacture and produce this. So we really want your support. Well, you know, that's great. I, I mean, obviously, you need some kind of support to, you know, financial support if you want to make your crowdfunding and your, your goal of making a better product a reality. But if it's going to take more resources and more money and more energy and more time to produce them, then it's actually less sustainable than just a kettle. Right. And, and I, I, I know we were talking a little bit about this again before the, we started recording this. Yeah. And the same thing is, I, I, you know, there's maybe 10, 15, 20 different light bulb brands out there, right? Like, why can't we, I understand why we can't just have one brand because we have, we live in a capitalistic society. Well, that's why. But, you know, it seems pretty wasteful to me because I've seen, you know, if you go on online right now, you can see that there's been a light bulb burning, uh, you know, that's been on uh, for over a hundred years. How could one company develop a light bulb that never burnt out, you know, and how come we have light bulbs that when I turn it, install it, sometimes it burns out right away. You know, why is the filament I'm using not so good, but the filament that these guys are using uh, really good. So why can't they make that light bulb based on that? Now we have light bulbs with, you know, 10,000 hours, 40,000, hours light life right and but they've been able to make these light bulbs for years but i find that the, the industry just seems to be about making money and is not really necessarily always concerned about the environment we live in uh they just figured you know if we could they can just keep giving us consumables and, and they'll just keep making more money right and we all know right if you're a business owner you know you want to be selling consumables you want customers to come back That's i right. mean i get it if we're looking at a business standpoint, but eventually sometime we have to look at the, the uh, you know, society, the human factor of the way we are living and treating people, uh, the way we're treating animals and plants on this, on this planet. And I think there is the argument that stuff like solar power and wind power, you know, Alberta's got a ton of wind power down, down in Southern side. It, there is the argument that this isn't actually more sustainable and it's more efficient and, and it's actually saving the environment. And in some cases, it might actually have harmful effects as well. So it's so interesting. It's sometimes the opposite of what we think it is. And we're trying to make things better. And in the process, sometimes just make things worse by using more energy, more resources, more everything to try to get to that point of like more sustainability. So sustainability is not an easy thing to achieve whether it's in food or anything else 
No, you're right. And and I think the ideas are great behind it. I think some of the exactly. most innovative people out there, like Elon Musk, are trying to think of ways where they can, you know, for example, I, th- I think he was working on some sort of like a battery pack for your home. I had heard uh, at one point where, you know, it, it's kind of like Nikola Tesla's idea, right? Having right. a self-sustained home. So your battery here would pretty much produce all the electricity you'll ever need. So you don't have to have, uh, you know, we don't have to keep using this, right? The solar Power panels plants. will do it, right? So yeah, we have to develop solar panels. So it's going to panels. So it's going to take some resources to do that. So to make millions and millions of these things, but eventually over time down the road, you know, it'll be sustainable where we don't need to keep paying for it. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a cool idea where eventually we'll be able to keep more money in our pocket, but in the short term, what are we going to do with the environment? What are we get? what kind of resources are we going to take away from other places to make solar panels and, and whatnot? Right. So it's a pretty, uh, it's a heavy topic. I mean, we can talk about this forever and, and really have really no say in it. <laughs> Well, because we're encountering exactly the same thing with recent technological developments with the cloud, with the big data, with uh, the blockchain and cryptocurrencies, like to do some of these things on a bigger scale that we're thinking about. And I know that companies are trying to make this even bigger than it is right now. Sustainability is a major issue. I mean, there's other issues, too, with each of those technologies. But it's going to take us a while to figure out how that is. Like you say, it's probably sometime ahead of us we'll be able to make that happen. We just don't really know how yet generating enough power to be able to do all that. Right. And and I think sustainability is right on the what you on the money, right? Uh, 80 to 100 billion animals. How long can we continue sustaining those type of numbers, right? I mean, if we're going to pretty much uh, you know, be lab rats and allow those animals to be our lab rats and continually feed on them and feed on them, I guess we could be sustainable forever, but you know, I heard a, one of the things that the movie said was too that there's 1 million net new people uh, on this planet every 4 days. So, I yeah, mean, exactly. How many, those numbers of 80 to 100 billion are going to grow exponentially over time as well, right? So uh, sure, we have the baby boomers who are getting older and and we all know we're born to die. So I mean, we know the baby boomers will eventually, you know, pass and and a new generations of people will keep coming. And, and, you know, those, those animals are going to be continually uh, sacrificed to continue feeding us, right? So I find it interesting because I think we, we are the animals that, are are consuming everything and and i think unfortunately being human we feel we have the power over this earth yeah and it's also a thing of land like when do we run out of i mean sure canada is huge but you know at the rate that we're using land to produce all these animals if it goes if it doubles you know we're talking about 200 billion if it triples i mean you know it's crazy or if it grows exponentially imagine that like if population is growing exponentially then so does our animal consumption i mean what does that do to ourselves to our health to our planet it's crazy Right. And, you know, uh, I know one of the things that this movie really made me wonder was I know in North America, uh, cattle, uh, pigs, which they call uh, pork. They don't like to call pigs pigs because we don't consume pigs. We consume pork. I never oh met boy. a pork as an animal before. Me either. I never met a cattle. Well, I guess cattle is a is another name for a cow. But uh, I just found it interesting the way we label food uh, to not make it sound like we're eating something bad. Uh, you know, but we eat chickens. We call it poultry, and mm-hmm. and you know uh, we try to change the definition of what we're eating. But 
as North Americans, we then look at what people maybe overseas consume. We, you know, we, we've heard of, uh, we've watched Indiana Jones and they're eating the, the monkey brains and, and you know, the <laughs> snakes, uh, you know, although it's a movie, but some of that is reality. There are people right. who do eat those foods and, you know, there are cultures who believe in eating cats and eating dogs and they cook them. And different body parts, depending on which part of their body they're trying to heal or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, right? But we in North America see that as, oh no, God, that's a bad thing to do. Why are they consuming cats and dogs? But, you know, we're judging them based on what they're eating, but we're not technically looking at what we're eating on a daily basis, right? So one of the things that movie really made me wonder and think was, you know, why is it a bad thing and why do we consider that bad, you know, as a North Americans? And then you know, if we're mammals, you know, consuming other mammals, why do we as, as humans consider it then bad to eat another human being? There must be a reason because we know the disease that eating a human being will cause within ourselves. You know, I think there's such a huge emphasis on the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. You've probably encountered that in school or in church or, you know, wherever it is that you frequent, Maveen. We have such a big preoccupation with the next generation of leaders like what about now though is is first of all my question and second of all you know because there's that emphasis i think that's part of it we don't want our kids to know what they're eating (laughs) we just want to feed them and get it over with so you know rather than educating and teaching them and, and sharing with them you know the way in which we consume resources now they don't learn about it or grow up to learn about it till much later it's like you could probably start making a difference now rather than later well, I think you're right because it, who's going to teach our who's going to teach our kids, right? The people who are teaching our kids are the school system because you know, unfortunately, not every single parent is. Uh, although they're a parent, they're at home, but they're not present with their children. You know, hey, sit in front of the TV, eat your meal. You know, you always hear uh, it's hard to get your kids to eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts. Well, why is it so hard? Because that's what we've been programmed to believe. Hard. Yeah. yeah, we've been programmed to believe that broccoli is horrible and Brussels sprouts. Oh God, you they're horrible to eat and they're this and that but you know I've seen and heard a lot of kids say you know what I'd rather have a, a piece of carrot uh, interesting enough I had a lady come in come to my house today my wife sells kombucha and she came to buy a kombucha kit mm-hmm. and uh, you know we were just chatting she had gone through cancer and and uh, she was you know having kombucha and she mentioned that her children, 10 and 6 years old uh, don't reach for juice anymore they reach for kombucha to have as well mm-hmm. right now do I know if it's safe to, uh, for a 10 year old or a 6 year old to consume vast or lots of a kombucha I mean that's something that you will have to decide as a parent if that's good for your kid definitely read some of the, the research that goes into that uh, it is a fermented tea that's been around for well over 2500 years um, but there's a reason that she says it's okay for her kids to have this healthier drink versus sugar packed uh sugar-packed drinks like apple juices, which are really just beverages now. Yes, they are. Well, and, you know, people are impressionable. So imagine being told as like a three or four year old, broccoli's gross. And then like, you know, maybe that sticks with you. I don't know. I don't remember that when I was that young, what happened to, to make me, you know, I have such extensive preferences when it comes to food. I've become a little more open-minded with, with age, but you know, I don't, I don't know how that's determined, but I'm just saying that I think, you know, people are impressionable and through repeated suggestion, we learn certain attitudes and thoughts, even if they're not true, because some people think some certain things are delicious. Well, we might think they're totally gross. 
Right. And, you know, the this North American diet is typically a standard meat and potatoes type diet, right? I yes. mean, we grew up on that, hearing that, you know, that's what the farmers ate. And, and you know, hardworking people eat meat and potatoes because they need the energy. But then you start looking at, you know, if you eat a steak every single day, I can only imagine what uh, kind of harm you're doing your body over mm-hmm. a long period of time. Uh, you know, there's such things as leaky gut syndrome, is things that I've heard of. And, 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 you know, I've wanted to start doing a little bit more research into that. Um, but I know when I got sick, like I was mentioning um, a while back with colitis, that I actually stopped eating meat for a reason because I found that I had to completely detox my body and I had to first stop putting the toxins into my body. And and there's obviously some sort of thinking I had with that. And I believe it was some sort of wise thinking because, um, you know, where did that thinking come from, right? You know, I think what it all comes down to is it's hard to find the truth. And I get it, you know, scientific method is such that it's allowed to be updated over time. And that's why sometimes, I don't think it's always the case, but I think that's why sometimes we hear one year coffee is unhealthy, but like based on a new study, guess what? Coffee is healthy. And if you actually look at the study, you can see how thinking has actually evolved and how, what, you know, criteria that scientific study was subjected to. Although, like I've said before, I think it's such a load of bull sometimes when they, when they say those things in, in media. But my point is, it's very difficult to find truth when it comes to food because you have very strongly opinionated people on every single side. Vegans are militant. Uh, you know, uh, meat eaters are are aggressive. It doesn't matter what camp you reside in. There's going to be people that disagree very strongly with you. Right. And I think you said it and I love what you said. And I love to agree with what you said. Right. I think a lot of this food studies are re- are funded by the same people who want to yeah. send their message out. Right. So uh, if, if, you know, if people smoke well and if the smoking industry said smoking was great for you, would you technically believe them or would you think that they have a profit margin to sustain? and think that the billions of dollars that they're they're working to continue to make every year may have something to do with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we know that statistics can be skewed in favor of whatever it is that you want to say. Bible verses every single day are skewed to say what people want to say about Bible and the Jesus and spirituality. doesn't matter what the sources studies are skewed to say what people want to say about that specific thing it doesn't matter what the source is because the source itself might be pure it could be but if we take it to say what we want it to say then it's no longer pure right um what do you think about uh, closing up the show let's do that awesome um Final final points, I guess. Final points. It's amazing how long we can talk about this topic. You know, once you get going, I'm surprised by how much I know, or at least how much misinformation I know, because maybe I'm totally full of it and I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know, I continue to examine it. Right? Like, there's a lot of thought-provoking documentaries on this topic. Michael Moore, or Food Inc, or whatever it is you choose to check out. I mean, don't just look at one of them. Watch multiple ones. Maybe not in one sitting, because you'd be grossed out (laughs) well you know watch several of them maybe go deeper into what they say and the claims they make because they aren't necessarily always true but you might you might also find that some based on some of the studies that what the claims they make in those documentaries and movies are are true and i think that's a good starting point for anybody that wants to learn more about you know the food the pharmaceutical industry and the possible ties between them 
right? And you know, I love the way you ended that because I'm gonna the where exactly where you ended it. I'm gonna probably make my point on that point right you just made. Nice. Uh, I just want uh, our listeners to consider, you know, some of the facts that are out there. All the men and all the women, um, you know. It says it said that meat clogs your arteries, right? Because the fats in that meat, we already know that's true because people have things like heart disease. But you know, people who eat a lot of meat, especially men, uh, also notice that you know if your arteries are being clogged, well, that means the blood is being restricted in your body. That's right. And guess where the number one men problem where uh, blood is being restricted is? It's uh, erectile dysfunction. ED. So now, if you have blood restriction, should the doctors and the you know the the industry say, hey, well, hold on, stop eating so much meat? You know, it's clogging your arteries. It's it's kind of slowing down the blood. No, instead they say, hey, take some Viagra. It'll 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 handle it. And now more and more, they also have you know Viagra for women as well, wow. and uh, Cialis and all these different drugs. Well, why are they telling us to take drugs when you know a simple you know, cleaning of our diet is probably the first place we should start. And if you still have that ED after, absolutely, then maybe look at alternatives. Yeah, diet and exercise, that's often a good starting point for any health issue that you have. That's right. And, you know, being, uh, you know, January 1st had passed a couple of months back. So, you know, I know a lot of people are, are still thinking health and maybe people have got away from that health. And if you've listened to this uh, show, which we, you know, hope you've enjoyed and and uh, maybe reconsider going back to those health goals and, you know, maybe not to the exact same health goals, but maybe find ways to find balance in what you were doing uh, and, and achieving the goals that you wish to have. Yeah, and don't give up. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been Using Your Power. You can find us online at usingyourpower.com. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.